me a little bit and said, why are you skipping that book? And um, we didn't skip it. I was determined that we're going to come back and look at this book. It may be more uncomfortable for you than it is for me, but it's in the Word of God. And we live in a society that needs to hear God's truth. Not that our society is any different. Every society needs to hear God's truth. And it's important that we understand this. This is called the Song of Solomon. In Hebrew, it's called the Song of Songs. Solomon, we know, wrote many proverbs. But he wrote over a thousand songs. And... This is his song of all songs. And uh, this is uh, an important, important song that we'll kind of give an overview, but then we're going to touch on some basic foundational principles that God has in this song, in this book, and throughout the Scripture that relate to this. You may be here today and you may be saying, the Song of Solomon, my understanding of it is that it's it's a book relating, depending what your understanding of it. Some say it's an allegory that um, relates Christ's love to the church. I don't have time to go into it today, but it is not an allegory that relates Christ's love to the church. Um, We can learn of God's love, and I'll touch on that through this, but it, it is not. It is a love song between a man and a woman. And you might be here today and say, this is the last thing I needed to hear. You might be here and you might say, I am single, this doesn't apply to me. You might say, I've been married for 99 years and this doesn't apply to me. We can all say things that it doesn't apply to us, but it does apply to every one of us here today because we live in a society and the foundation of society is the home. And we are bombarded everywhere you look in society. You can't drive down the highway without being bombarded with, with lies and propaganda about sexual issues, about the home, about the family. We, our, our society has many issues that are on the forefront with, um, Violence, and let me just say, many issues go right back to the home. Most issues go back to the home, and there are a plethora of issues that that apply to this. But this is foundational, and and honestly, we are where we are today because the church really has not had a biblical view of God's design for marriage. And and we'll get in and look at God's design for marriage. 
and and then specifically God's design for physical relations. But let me just let me just give you. Um, I I came across uh, a summary of the Book of Solomon, and in one of my Bibles. It, it breaks down the book of Solomon, and it has who is speaking. You need to pay attention to that. I like things a simple way, so I really like this Bible that said, this is the young Shulamite speaking, this is Solomon speaking, this is the friends of the Shulamite that's speaking. Um, and because throughout the book of the Song of Solomon, it it varies, and if you don't realize who's speaking, but... Um, I came across in my studies a, a man by the name of Dillo gave a summary of the book of the Song of Solomon. And, and let me just share with you some of it because I think it helps us encapsulate the, the whole book. King Solomon, as you know, uh, was Israel's richest king. He owned vineyards all over the nation, and one of those vineyards was in the northernmost part of Galilee, near the foothills of the Lebanon Mountains. And while visiting this vineyard, Solomon met a country girl, Shulamite. She captures his heart. For some time, he pursues her. He makes periodic visits to see her in her country home. Finally, he asked her to marry him. She gave it very serious consideration because she was a country girl. She didn't know if she could go to the city. And um, she gave it consideration whether she really loves him, whether she can be happy in the palace of the king. And she finally accepts. Solomon sends a wedding procession to escort the new bride-to-be, to the palace in Jerusalem. And the book opens as she is getting ready for the wedding banquet and the wedding night. The details of their first night together are erotically but tastefully described in the first half of the book. The second half of the book deals with the joys and the problems that come with their married life. She refuses his sexual advances. He departs. She goes out pursuing him. And um, it, it deals with all that aspect, their reunion and so on. While she lived in the palace, <clears throat> she longed for the mountains of Lebanon. Once you live around mountains, you long for the mountains of Lebanon. Amen, Heather? Okay, she's from Colorado, all right? But she asked Solomon, now this doesn't mean you need to ask Nathan this, okay? Uh, She asked Solomon to take her there on vacation. He agrees, and the book closes in their return to her country and their enjoyment there together. That's a very brief summary of the book. You say, well, really, you know, all this stuff that's in the Bible, why did God put this in? And number one, it is in the Word of God. We say we believe the Bible and to preach the whole truth, the complete Word of God. 
Well, God put it in here to describe and and extol the blessing of human marital love that love exists and he portrays how it should exist and and he also uses it as a metaphor it's not an allegory and if you want to talk about that later I'd be happy to but he presents to us the way of love between a man and a woman how it should look The characters of the book usually behave toward one another the way men and women in love should conduct themselves in attitudes and activities. And God wanted to apply that understanding to us in both our love for our spouses and as well our love for our Savior. Tonight in the evening service, We'll be making more application to our love for our Savior, what we learn from the Song of Solomon in that regard. But before we get into some of the details of this, in every area of life, we need to ask, what is God's design for this? And so we ask, what is God's design for marriage? And and this is very, very important that we realize this. Some, some, and many even in Christian circles, have said the purpose of marriage is for pleasure. Well, you're on a slippery slope then to defend any of God's purposes in marriage. If the purpose of marriage is pleasure, then you have no ground to forbid anyone else from homosexuality, um, bestiality, polyamorous, multiple group marriages, if that is the sole purpose of it. So we ask, what is God's design for marriage? Number one, and, and we'll put references here, we don't have the time today to go through this, but Number one is for companionship. In Genesis chapter 2, God made everything, said it was good, and he said, wait, it isn't good that man should be alone. And you can go back and read. And he said, I'm giving him a help meet to secondly complete, to bring, there are things that God designed in marriage that Each of us lacks, and we help each other with these. It is important that we we realize this. So, companionship, completeness, and then God designed marriage for children, to produce children, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. So, It is a purpose to raise up godly children. He also designed marriage for protection, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, not lesser vessel, not not lesser of importance, designed differently. And God designed marriage to be a, a... a place of protection for children, that children could grow up in a place of security and safety, not just physically, but but emotionally and spiritually. 
It is a place God designed for protection. He designed marriage as an illustration of God's love. An illustration of God's love. And in Ephesians chapter 5, he said, Husbands, love your wives the same way Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And on each of these, you could probably do series on these, but it's an illustration of God's love. And number six, God designed marriage for enjoyment. And the Song of Solomon is one aspect that shows that. Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 18 through 19, he says that you are to rejoice with the wife of your youth to the point that that you are exhilarated with her, you, that this is... Um, this is God's design for, for marriage. So, it's not that you take any one of these and say, well, this is God's purpose. Now, let, let me just say, Satan is against everything that God is for, and we live in a world today that is denying God's design in every aspect. And when it comes to the God's design for marriage, Satan is denying God's design in marriage and he is, he is filling people with lies and, and we see the fruit of it today. We, the home and the family and the marriage, the institution of marriage is in worse shape in America than it has ever been before. And no society can stand when it comes to that point. And, and there are many ways to pervert God's design. But it is important that we understand, okay, this is what God designed marriage for. Am I lining up with God's design? And whether you're single, whether, whether you are older and you say, you know what, we're, we're just kind of coasting out the rest. You, you have children, grandchildren, you have people that you work with. Every one of us, we need to be testimonies of God's design. Not, not in a way of condemning, but in a way God designed these things for our good. And He put down certain restrictions for our good. So, coming to the book of the Song of Solomon, you can't come to it without realizing sex is a wonderful gift of God. There are many, many ways that it is perverted. Um, it is perverted through pornography and rape and incest and prostitution and pedophilia and homosexuality and adultery and polygamy and bestiality and group marriage and poorly modeled marriages by Christians, and you could go on and on and list many, many ways. 
It ought to tell you this is very important to God because Satan has made it such a place of attack. And it is very important to God. And and to the point, something is wrong in your thinking about God's program if you cannot pray about your relation to the whole issues of sex. It isn't something that, wow, Christians should never talk about it, never say anything about This ought to be something that we seek God. God, we want to honor you. We want to magnify your name. We want to fulfill your purposes. This is your your gift to us. So we need to realize, let me mention several things. Number one, God's design for the physical relation is, first of all, designed to be pure and holy. God separates a married relationship, not as a matter of prohibition, but for us to know what is best and experience what is best. In understanding, um, this is, this is a holy thing. You know, we, we believe it. Whether you eat or whether you drink, do all to the glory of God. Under the holy, all things are holy. But when it comes to this area of life, it's like it has an exception in it, in our lives. Now, I understand it's, it's very personal, it's very private, but it ought to be dedicated to the Lord. He ought to be a, a vital part of our physical relations. And it ought to be to his honor and glory. God designed it to be between one man and one woman. This is God's design. I mean, go back to the purposes. You may, you may line up other relationships that could say, well, um, in this relationship, We're having companionship, and we're completing each other, but you cannot naturally bring forth children. The only way that you can fulfill God's design for marriage is a man and a woman. And we can argue about all the other things, but again, it comes back foundational. Why did God design a marriage? And, and sad to say, in many Christian circles, we've, we've set ourselves up for where we're at. Well, I just don't love them anymore. Well, okay, if you just don't love them anymore, then you can go your way and they can. No, that, that isn't it. The basis for marriage isn't love. The basis for marriage is to honor God. And love is a choice that we make. I am going to honor God by choosing to love. But we've set ourselves up to the point that now all the lines are, I was going to say blurred, all the lines are removed. I mean, there are people nowadays that are marrying themselves. I mean, it is as bizarre as you can 
can get. But God's design is between one man and one woman. And God designed sex to be in a marriage relationship. The Song of Solomon, it's a marriage relationship that they are in. I, I have just found it fascinating. Um, basically, my age, we grew up in the sexual revolution that, that all the restraints, um, on sexual relations were thrown off in the 60s and, and it's just gone more and more and more. It has been fascinating to me to read in recent years studies by secular studies that are saying, wow, um, this, this cohabitation this living together and shacking up together um, really isn't working. A research professor at the University of Denver, not a Christian school. Let me just give you some of his conclusions. Serial cohabitation or shacking up together is associated with a greater risk for divorce Cohabiting unions are decreasingly likely to end in marriage. They are, they manifest lower marital satisfaction in marriage. In other words, he found if, if you've been sleeping around before marriage, pre-marriage, the studies, after they've studied it, it shows it doesn't increase the level of of pleasure and delight and joy in marriage, it decreases the marital happiness. It says, having sex early in a relationship is associated with lower marital quality, partly because moving quickly to sex is associated with moving quickly to cohabitating. That is, for some couples, sex too soon leads to cohabiting too soon, which can lead to a poor foundation for marriage. This is the world saying this. Leads to a, a, a poor foundation for marriage. You know, we, the devil likes us to think that God is keeping something good back from you and, and, and hindering you in this. God says, no, I want you to enjoy the greatest marital bliss that you possibly could have. And if so, you be committed to sexual relations only in marriage. It is to be in a marriage relationship. Um, Let me read just one more quote. Breakthroughs in the field of neuroscience explain the impact having sex has on developing brains of adolescents and young adults. The sexual activity releases chemicals in the brain, creating emotional bonds between partners. Breaking these bonds can cause depression and make it harder to bond with someone else in the future. The human brain is not fully developed until a person reaches their mid-20s. Until then, 
It is harder to make wise relationship decisions. Parents and others who care about young people now have the facts to steer them away from life-changing mistakes and lead them toward reaching their full potential. Our study of the brain is, is just exponentially growing. And the more we learn about it, the more we learn God's design is right. God designed sex to be a bonding. There are, I can't go into it, I just know a little surface, but time, oxytoxins are released. Those are feel-good feel, um, chemicals in our body. There are, there are other things that go on, and God designed it to bring a bonding together. So, here's what happens. In our society today, hook up. Bonding together, then break up. Hook up, break up, hook up, break up, hook up, break up. And it's no wonder young people and adults are totally confused because we're trying to glue something together. Not that we are, but our bodies, this is how God designed us, trying to glue and tear it apart and glue and tear it apart. It's like I'm building this up and then I'm tearing it down and building it up. You can only imagine the mess that that has created in, in individuals' lives. So it's not God's a mean God. No, this is something good and you can, no, you can't have it now. You gotta wait. He's saying, I love you. I want you to experience the best joy that you can. And this is where I want you to do it. And this is how. It is to be in a marriage relationship. It is to be the culmination of spiritual, emotional, mental, and finally physical oneness. There is an order that God has, and he wants us to pursue that. And the physical relationship is to be the culmination of these things. We get everything Satan has turned God's design completely backwards. We start with the physical. We maybe get to the emotional, maybe the mental, and often never the spiritual. You follow God's design, and uh, you understand marriage is much more than just about sex. God designed marriage to be an act of giving, meeting the needs of your spouse. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 deals with that, that I don't have control over my body. My wife has. I am here to serve her. She is here to serve me. It's the whole aspect as Christ served the church. It's not lust is getting, getting, getting. Love is giving. It's not about just me. It is an act of giving, meeting the needs of our spouse. It is designed to bring pleasure in the marriage relationship. God designed it. Again, we're running out of time, but read the book of Proverbs. How many warnings are there and exhortations are there in the book of Proverbs that relate to this? And it is very, very important. And you will read in there, 
we alluded to it early. Rejoice with the wife of her youth, of your youth. Be satisfied with her. God did desire it to bring pleasure in a marriage relationship. And also, he desired the physical relationship to serve us, not to control us. It is to serve us, not to control us. Let me read another quote. This is by um, Dr. Al Mohler. He said, rightly understood and rightly ordered, marriage is a picture of God's covenantal faithfulness. I said, we'll talk about that more tonight. Marriage is to display God's glory, reveal God's good gifts to his creature, and protect human beings from the inevitable disaster that follows when sexual passions are divorced from their rightful place, meaning in marriage. The physicality of the male and female bodies cries out for fulfillment in the other. The sex drive calls both men and women out of themselves and toward a covenantal relationship that is consummated in a one flesh union. By definition, sex is within marriage is not merely the accomplishment of sexual fulfillment on the part of two individuals who happen to share the same bed. Rather, it is mutual self-giving that reaches pleasures both physical and spiritual. Mutual self-giving that is a blessing to both. Now, I understand there are many, many, many ways that We can mess this up, and we as individuals have messed this up. But let me say, this is why Christ came. Jesus Christ came to bring forgiveness and healing. And the message today is not, if you did this, 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 you messed up and you are condemned. The message today is God has a wonderful design in every area of our life and in marriage. And part of marriage is the physical aspect of marriage. And he has a design for that. And if you want to know God's best, you follow his design. And if And we all, in one way or another, or many ways, if you have violated God's design, you understand it. You come back and say, God, I have been more interested in getting than giving. I have been living by lust and not by love. And I seek your forgiveness. And you go to your spouse and you seek forgiveness. And God said he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and he is able to bring healing. That's the gospel. But the reality is, for too long in Christian circles, we've let the lies of Satan come in and deceive 
and literally destroy. God has something to say about everything, and what he says is for our good and his glory. No one will ever say, I follow God's design and I regret it. No one ever will regret obeying God. But eternity is full and and this life is full of people that are bearing regrets because they said, uh, that's old-fashioned, who is God, God doesn't know what he's talking about. Now, I understand there are many issues that arise, and this is... This is from 30,000 feet today, okay? But I know this. If you seek to honor God in your life, if you are married or ever plan on being married and you seek to honor God in your marriage, you will become a student of what God says about marriage You will become, as a man, you will become a student of your wife. That's what he said, dwell with them according to knowledge. And vice versa. And as you seek God to honor him, as you seek God for wisdom, as you seek to obey God, and as you learn, we we have more resources now for marriage than there's ever been before. You need discernment to know which ones are based on the Word of God and which ones aren't. But God wants Christian marriages and families to be spread throughout this world and show that there is a difference. We serve a different master, we have different rules, and we have abundant joy. And sad to say, many times in our Christian homes, we haven't shown that. And because of that, many times we have been a stumbling block to others because we haven't manifested genuine joy in our marriage. Often, nearly every couple that I marry in pre-marriage Counseling, I will ask, do you have marriages that you would, that you look at and say, man, if our marriage ended up just like theirs, I'd be happy. The majority of people don't mention any or one. You know what? We ought to be, we ought to make it our goal. I want my marriage to be a living example that God's ways are best and there is joy in obeying God and we have joy and be an example of genuine love. I would, I would love it if, if when I asked they'd say, oh man, that's what it ought to be. Is it easy? No. 
Does it take work? Continually. Does it ever end? No. And you know what? Then we ought to be going around and building up marriages. Strengthening, establishing, praying for, you know, every time somebody in our church gets married, we ought to be putting them on our prayer list. Satan wants to destroy their marriage. He wants to to blow it to smithereens. Or to get it to live in mediocrity that it doesn't show the greatness of God. In realizing in Christ alone there is forgiveness and healing. We need to come back and realize first and foremost that this is all God's design, but it cannot be followed unless we are spiritually alive. Unless we have Jesus Christ dwelling within us. Unless we've responded to His love toward us and said, I am a sinner I need your forgiveness, and I call upon Jesus Christ to forgive my sin. If you've never done that, today needs to be the day of salvation. But as a believer, you're here today and you say, Man, I I messed up. God says, Come to me, and I will forgive you. And I will heal you, and I will raise you up, and I will make you a trophy of my grace. That's what God wants to do. You that are, are yet single, I say to have a renewed commitment. God, I am going to follow your ways. And, and like I said, if, if you've gone off the track, From this day forward, God, I am going to follow your ways. And I know in this world we live in, there are strong and, and violent and multitudes of temptations. But you will never regret obeying God. We don't have the time to go into all the ramifications of when we disobey. But what I want you to encourage you is to come back, every one of us, and say, God, I am committed to your design. In my marriage, if I'm married, or in building that design in other people's marriages, praying for that. God, I am committed to your design for this gift of sex that you have given. And I want it to fit in your design for marriage, and I want to glorify you in this. And again, it's all God's design. You you cannot tell me that God doesn't care about it when he begins the Song of Solomon with let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine because of the fragrance of your good ointments. Your name is an ointment poured forth. I mean, you go through and read this. This is all God's design, how he designed it to be. And it honors him. 
does your life, regardless of your standing in life, regardless of your circumstance, does your life honor God's design in this area? Heavenly Father, I pray that this would be a voice in the ocean of other voices that call us away from you, that this would be a voice that holds forth your design. God, thank you for your design. Your design for marriage, your design for physical relations. Thank you for the joy that you can give. Thank you for the delight that we can have in you and in one another. And Lord, I pray that no one would walk out here today defeated, but that they would walk out saying, God, I need your mercy and forgiveness. That they would walk out forgiven and beginning anew to honor you in all their ways. Lord, I pray for every marriage represented here that these marriages would be made up of people that seek you first and foremost. And then, Lord, that they would have, as they draw near to you, a oneness spiritually and emotionally and mentally and physically, a oneness in you that would bring great, great joy and delight and would be a living example to everyone they come in contact. Lord, I pray that you would be honored by every aspect of our life. Thank you that you care enough to direct, to warn, to teach, and to lead us in these areas of marriage and physical relations. Lord, may you bring these truths home to our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together with our...